0: wessex lmc's supporting you and your practice so welcome everybody this is another one of our practice manager update webinars and it's fabulous that you're joining us um, either live or we know lots of you listen um, to our podcast afterwards so it's great to have you with us in fact that you're finding these still useful um, so my name is Louise Greenwood, I'm Director of Education at WISCSL MCs and I'm particularly pleased today that we've got Will Howard with us, one of our um, medical directors, and Michelle Lombardi, one of our directors of primary care. So as ever, you can ask us any question you like. We've got a little sort of small board of things to share with you today, so hopefully they'll be useful. Ask any questions um, related to those topics or anything else you think has come in to your inbox today over the last week that you just think, God, I'd just like a little bit of a view on that. Some of you just give us things for information, which is very useful and some of you have questions so anything is fine we'll try and answer everything we can live here and now but we won't just wing it we will if we don't know the answer we will absolutely say we're not sure we'll come back to you later and we will always let you know either via an email or pop something on the um on the website when we publish the podcast so we're going to start off today um
1: with michelle and i think you're going to talk a about contract variations uh thanks louise yes i am um, i've got a few things to update on i think so we can uh Chug through them. So the first one is contract variations. So it probably just to make practice aware that you will start to receive these, or you may have received them already, uh, the contract variations for 23-24. We are aware some areas are um, sending out the last year's variations. So it's probably be mindful of looking at the variation, what it is, what year it relates to and what it reflects and what it relates to. But if you haven't received yours yet, you're likely to be uh, receiving these soon. So just to make you aware that these are um, being sent to practices. So I think that was the first topic. Um, The next topic I wanted to chat about, and I think, Louise, you're going to talk a bit about a podcast that we've uh, recorded, which is in relation to online access to medical records, which is the dates fast approaching around the deadline of when this goes live. Um, Louise, do you want to talk a bit about the podcast first, and then I can come on to the bulk bulk applying of SNOMED codes?
0: Yes, thanks, Michelle. So we've recorded a podcast that's in fact been published today. So Lisa Harding, one of our directors of uh, primary care, has been chatting to Matt Perkins in a podcast on online access, as Michelle said. So Matt is one of our practice manager supporters. He's also a practice manager of a big practice in South Hampshire, which has enabled online access to its patients for a while now. So he chats to Lisa about what he did, including reviewing the notes of any vulnerable patients, which is something that a lot of people are worried about. How he communicated what he did with the patients and the staff, and talks about any repercussions of patients accessing their records online. It's a really interesting, informative and quite reassuring story. So if any of you have any concerns, I would like to know a little bit more from a very practical point of view I would suggest you um, look at that podcast that's this list that's coming out today so listen to that and we'll put a link to that um, on the um, website later that's all thanks Michelle
1: thanks Louise so we wanted to talk a bit about I know this came out in the NHS digital newsletter that's been I think circulated recently and it actually relates to the GMS and the PMS contract variations so Practices are not able to bulk apply the 104 SNOMED code where you've got concerns around safeguarding and providing access to patients. This is a consequence of the contract change that's recently been released. I think it's dated August 23. So, it's just to be aware that you can't bulk Um, code, 104 codes or 104 uh, patients that are vulnerable. Um, However, if they are individually identified as at risk, or they individually decide to opt out, then actually you can use that code. Uh, So it's just to be aware of that. Also, where you have used the 104 code, if you're trying to grant access to patients who are not actually at risk, but they have the 104 code applied, there is a code, a 106 code, uh, that needs to be added to enable that that record to be accessed. I'm sure we will put the codes, they're incredibly long um, as they're SNOMED codes now. So we'll pop that with the uh, recording on our website. Um, Also, when considering safeguarding issues, it's important to remember that patients will only be able to see prospective access from when they go live date. So it gives uh, practices the ability to decide how they want to implement uh, records. I think just the next item that we want to so nicely flowing into the next item is around um, some guidance and a toolkit that's been developed with this in mind. So uh, the Royal College of General Practitioners, so the RCGP, have developed a really useful toolkit that helps and they've worked with um safeguarding experts. So it's worth having a look at this toolkit. I think there's a recording and um, two documents that you can look at that looks at examples where safeguarding concerns might arise and the steps that can be taken by clinicians to mitigate these. So it's to be aware that that guidance is out there and to uh, have a look at that. And I think, Louise, you're going to come on to an update around cervical screening systems.
0: Yes, I am. Thanks, Michelle. So, yes, there's a new uh, cervical screening management system. So, the IT system that supports the call and recall function for the new NHS cervical screening programme is changing. So, the current system, which at the moment it's accessed through OpenExter, will be replaced by the new NHS cervical screening management system, which is known as CSMS, by the end of the 23-24 financial year. So, a recent system letter outlines essential actions to be completed, and it's by the 30th of September 2020. 23. So obviously that's coming out very, very soon, that's next week to ensure a smooth transition to the CSMS system. And it's important to know that once this new system is live, OpenExit will no longer be accessible. The new system will only be accessible via a smart card rather than via the Open Exeter login, as is in the case now. So system users, including general practice, need to liaise with IT to ensure the steps are taken to prepare for the switchover. And again, just be aware it's by the 30th of September. In addition, system users, including general practice, we need to complete training on how to use the new system and the details of the training and timelines for the completion will be communicated shortly, including the duration and format of any training. There is more information on the NHS digital website, so again, we'll put the link in um, for that. Um, just following on, just a quick item, PCSE. PCSE are launching a new website, we are told, which is on Thursday the 28th of September, which is tomorrow. Secondly, about PCSE, just a reminder about printing digital records. If a patient's record has successfully transferred the GP to GP to their new practice, there's no need to print the digital record. You only need to print the digital record um, if GP to GP fails and the record did not transfer successfully. The new practice is in Wales, Scotland or Northern Ireland, or the record is being sent to archive because the patient is no longer registered with the NHS or they are deceased. That's
1: it on those few items, Michelle. So back to you. Thanks, Louise. So I was going to talk a bit about patient choice, and we were aware that a letter was issued by NHS England back in May, and I think we may have brought this here before. Actually, um, I may be wrong, but really just wanted to highlight this letter again, um, given that there's been uh, it's been in the media, I think, being quoted uh, by uh, various organisations. So this is a letter around patient choice and what patients can expect when they need a referral for elective care. There's one, there's elements in there that ask about the recommendations for general practice. And one of those specifically states about asking all referrers, referrers to ensure there is a shortlist of an average of five choices. So I think we just wanted to highlight that this is an ask, this is not a requirement. Um, We are aware that you actually would be aware you've only got 10 minutes in a consultation so to have that conversation and choose five choices um, uh, is almost impossible and that actually uh, trusts, we are aware some trusts are rejecting out of area referrals so this makes it incredibly difficult for um, clinicians to offer five choices. So it's really just to highlight the fact that this is out there. It is an ask of clinicians. It's not a requirement, and just to make uh, practices aware of this. Um, and then finally, the final topic we wanted to highlight, uh, and this has actually come in from a practice manager this morning, and, and shared with us. Uh, and this is a Southeast Hampshire. Uh, sorry, Southeast East issue, um, just to highlight that they've got some issues around pharmacies using the wrong uh, codes for flu vaccines. And therefore, when the code comes into the practice, it looks like the practice has given it not to the pharmacist. So it's really just to make you aware that this potentially is an issue. We are going to raise it with the Southeast public health team. However, we really ask anybody on the webinar if this is something you're also facing and you're in Dorset or Bath, Swindon, Wiltshire, we'll a BSW, if you could let us know, because we'll also raise it with the Southwest public health team, as this is important, as practices will be incorrectly um, paid. we is just through no fault of their own, because the code is coming in from an external organisation. So really just to make you aware, and we are going to raise it with the public health teams. Thank you. And I think that's all my topics.
0: That's great. And thank you to the practice manager um, who sent that in to us this morning. We've had one question, I wonder, Will, it'd be helpful to have you in on this one. So um, five choices, exclamation mark, no choices for MSK, just the one. Do you know a little bit any more about that, Will?
2: Yeah, absolutely, Um, five choices, exclamation mark is the first bit, absolutely, we agree with that, five choices, exclamation mark. Um, Most GPs will be aware of one, maybe two providers will offer the service that is relevant to their patient. And, and I think most GPs, we would ask them to focus on that. Um, again, reminding you that this is an ask, not a requirement. Um, and secondly, something like MSK is an interesting one because lots of areas will have a tier two service and the five choices don't apply to something that is a tier two or an intermediate level service. So orthopaedic uh, orthopedics in certain areas is a triage service that is delivered and you can only refer to that service. So the commissioners specifically request you use that service at the point at which a patient may leave the tier 2 service and be referred then on to the secondary care service should they require further intervention. intervention it's at that point that they may um, exert their choice but again i think most of us in practice realize how limited that choice might be to one or two providers that that tier 2 service interacts with so again uh, i think i'd reiterate that this is an ask it's often not a reality
0: Thank you, Will. And it just shows the importance of reading the absolute detail, isn't it? What you should do, what you could do, what you must do. Um, And um, Michelle and Will are particularly good at looking at that kind of stuff. So um, that's really helpful now. Your sort of interpretation of of what's coming through is is absolutely vital. Um, So we haven't got any more questions, but I just wanted to let everybody know that um, the next webinar is to be on Friday, the 13th of October. Adam Tuckett from the CSU is coming to provide an update on online access. Any final questions you've got? we've done this a lot but we also feel that it's important and um, we know there's a little bit of anxiety out there so do submit some questions in advance if you'd like to Adam Tuckett has helped us a lot over the, over the years um, on information governance he's very practical um, and no question phases him which is brilliant for us so he's coming on the Friday the 13th of September one, of October at one o'clock um, yes don't be put off by the fact it's Friday the 13th I'm sure that's got nothing to do with anything I'm sure it's all going to be fine so that's one o'clock and that's the next time we're going to be together. So I don't think there are any other questions unless Will and Michelle have got anything else they want to add today. Um, thank you. As Lots of you have been here. It's fantastic that um, you're able to be with us. And thank you very much once again, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.